News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, yesterday, 838 patients were waiting on trolleys across the country uh, in an emergency department. It's the second highest figure ever after the day before where we had 931 people on trolleys. And as the health system reaches crisis points, we're saying, where do we go from here? Mick Malloy is a consultant in emergency medicine uh, and a medical specialist in disaster medicine and former IMO president and current member of their consultant committee. And he joins us now. Mick, first of all, you're being asked to do more work to clear this backlog. How does that sit with you? At points like this, obviously people understand there's a there's a need for for more work, but the 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 call I think is in the wrong direction. So I, I work in a small hospital, as over half the consultants in the country do. There are only three of us employed in this emergency department. One of the consultants covers another emergency department for their on call because that was the way the HSE set up that the emergency departments in the. 90s and 2000s. So there are only two of us who do on-call services in the hospital. Um, there isn't much more you can do when there's only two of you. Um, the the situation relates to a lack of capacity in beds, not um, specifically medical staff and nursing staff, although there are capacity issues there as well. The major issue is the inactivity and the, the lack of progress of the government in implementing their own reports dating back to the early 2000s when the current Taunishta was the Minister for Health. They identified that the system had 11,832 beds and they needed 5,000 more by 2011. They gave a staged progress plan for how that would be achieved by 2011. Not alone have we not achieved it, we actually have less beds now than we did back then with over a million greater population. And yet we've been told, no, we'll need another report into this. Well, okay, I'd so love we, so, to collate so all these reports and use them as a foundation from a well-needed extension to our emergency department. So, so you were saying back back in 2000, we had 11,800 beds, we needed 5,000 more. I believe we currently have 11,171 beds. So instead of having the 5,000 more, we have about 700 less. Um, Correct. Uh, and is, I think is, nobody is does is, a fact check on the, the annual statements you hear from the HSE. Well, they say we have 900 more beds this year than last year, which may be true, but it doesn't alter the well, fact I'd that over, to know over where 20 they are. years... And if there are 900 beds more, I'd also love to see where the 1,000 they've taken out in order for us to have less than I, I'm semi-fascinated by the fact that we, it feels to me when I hear the politicians speaking that they're speaking out of both sides of their mouths because they play a lot of lip service to recruitment and retention of doctors and nurses and, and that they recognise burnout and all of that but the minute the going gets tough and it is particularly tough I would suggest at the moment that they're asking you to do more. Now I heard Phil Nihay yesterday saying that, that nurses aren't ruling out industrial action so bad are, are the conditions under which they're working currently. It, it seems to me if, if, if working conditions are that bad and at the same time you're being asked to do more, that, that, that government isn't really listening to, to what staff within hospitals are saying. In one sense they're listening because the Minister made a, a great pronouncement pre-Christmas about 53 new emergency department consultant posts. The challenge, <clears throat> particularly in the smaller hospitals, is how do you recruit people into those posts when you now suddenly have the large university hospitals advertising for three, four and five consultant vacancies at the same time, any new budding or aspiring consultant is looking at this going, well, I'll have a different lifestyle altogether if I work in a hospital with 10 or 12 consultants than I will 
in a rural hospital where I'm going to work every third night of the week for the next 35 years. Okay. And people are voting with their feet and not coming to work in, in Model okay. 3 oh, rural we, hospitals. We have sometimes discussed here on the show in that instance that you say that, that, that we would, would we look at things like Dublin waitings for, for teachers, for example, who can't afford to live in Dublin because it's, it's so expensive and, and they're on the same wages. Do we need to look at something of the reverse in our rural and our peripheral hospitals? Should, should there be a rural waiting if you're somebody who's going to work as a consultant in, uh, I don't know, in, 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 in rural Galway or Clare or Wexford or somewhere like that, should you be paid more than somebody who maybe is working in Beaumont or, or, or James's where you have probably much better working conditions? I don't think it's the payment itself that, that solves that problem. I think it's actually the structure and how we allow hospitals to aggregate and accumulate lots of vacancies at the same time rather than filling posts as they arise. <clears throat> so we're now in a, in a major challenge where every hospital is trying to recruit from a very small number of people who are coming through the training program at the same time. Okay. The training programs just aren't big enough com- currently to cope with the large numbers of vacancies. There's nearly a thousand consultant vacancies in the system. So asking the people who remain to work harder is probably going to incentivize some people to say, Isn't, it's time yeah. for me to retire. I, I want to bring in and David And we get Cullinan. a lot of publicity about the recent, the whole launch a care contract and that kind of stuff well again the proof of the pudding is in the offering people took that contract in 2008 they still haven't been paid for it okay. we're advertising the same system now but with different working conditions but the same salary structure that existed then but still nobody's been paid us so La- people don't have confidence that go, that's because actually I, going I to arise want, I do want to bring in David Cullinan of Sinn Féin just before if you were, were the Minister for Health Mick what would you be doing to change the system now in, in, in a nutshell in order to, to shift these people off trolleys more quickly there isn't a quick solution. That is the problem. This is a massive building program across the whole state required. The hospital, the, the bed capacity in hospitals is dramatically below okay. um, international levels and it is dangerous and people are dying unnecessarily as a result. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. That is Mick Malloy, their consultant, emergency uh, medicine consultant and disaster med- medical specialist. Now I'm joined by David Cullinan, Sinn Féin's health sp- spokesperson. You heard there what, what Mick Malloy was saying, David, a massive infrastructural investment needed. Is that what Sinn Féin would do? Yes, and I've been talking for some time about the need for more capacity in public hospitals. Obviously, we don't have enough beds. We don't have enough staff. We don't have enough consultants. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have the hospital equipment and the tools that those on the front line need to be able to provide safe services. We don't have safe staffing levels in hospitals. I've been talking for some time about the need to increase training places right across the board. We have to deal with the recruitment and retention issues. And again, I've spoken about that on this program a number of times. So obviously, all of those are medium to long term solutions which need to be put in place. The winter plan clearly isn't sufficient. It clearly isn't working. There's massive, massive it's 350 million. How much money would you throw at it? It's not throwing money. It's making sure that the money that we're spending is being used to best effect. And obviously, if we need to increase more spending on beds and, and staff and, and nurses and consultants where we need them, that has to be spent. OK, but we're and spending 23 billion, David, currently on, 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 our, on our annual health budget. How, moment, how much would you spend? We have at the moment, Kira, a major disaster in our hospitals where patients are sleeping on floors. No, I, 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 I'm fully aware and I absolutely agree. But what, what would Sinn Féin spend? It's not how much I would spend uh, this year or next year, because obviously in last year's budget, we proposed a billion euro of additional spend. We wanted to put more beds in. Of course, in, in, in an election, we will set out in a manifesto exactly what we would do. We have to work that out over a five year time period. 
we have to work with all of those uh, organizations who work on the front line to work out what capacity we need right now in hospitals because we can't magic up beds, we can't magic up staff. We have to concentrate all of the resources that we can possibly muster into emergency okay. departments. We have to redeploy Would you be asking? Uh, we have to use the private health care sector. You could well be in government next and you could well be the Minister for Health. Would you be asking a, a hospital consultants to, to work weekends now on top of their normal rostered hours to, to clear this backlog? It's happening already, Kira, and that's why there's an anger and a frustration from consultants, but also from but would nurses. You, would, would, would you be asking them to do that? But they're doing it. And I think we have to recognise that during COVID, all healthcare professionals, including consultants, nurses, doctors, stepped up to the plate and they're doing it. Yeah, but, but the point is they're saying that they can't do any more, but they're being asked to do more. And I'm saying, would you also ask them to do they more? They can't do any more. So you, w- you wouldn't ask them to do more? I'm recognising that they are doing everything possible. I'm recognising that all healthcare professionals are going beyond uh, and above the call of duty. What they're telling me, Kira, is that they need the tools to do the job. If you're a consultant in a hospital and you're being asked to make decisions, which they are every single day in really difficult circumstances, if you don't have the beds to admit patients, if you don't have the staff to open up beds, if you don't have the diagnostic equipment to do scans, that all slows down the ability of those doctors and consultants to be able to deliver the safe care that patients need. So it's really important that we don't scapegoat those on the front line. Okay. Who had let, really let me bring Mick, Mick Malloy COVID. back in. Mick, do you like what David is saying? He says he's more or less saying, I think that he wouldn't ask you to do more than you're doing. He, he recognises that there's no more you can do. I think the one thing that David said there, which is very interesting, is about the increase in training places. I put a proposal to the HSE a couple of years ago about bringing the Irish students who can't get into medical school here because of lack of places, who go to Europe to medical school but don't end up doing pretty much the same curriculum as we do here. They, they, they lose out a little bit on, on the Irish elements of the curriculum. I put a proposal together that we would develop a, 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 an academy to get them up to speed with how to work in the Irish system. So sort of a conversion honest, course on back, top. Uh, Exactly. And, and this would be a, a way of getting more doctors back into the country who actually want to live here and stay here for a long time. And unlike the challenge we have with our current university graduates who spend a year working here and then want to emigrate because they're so put off by the working conditions, this group of people who've already been abroad have had their experience abroad and now want to come back and work in the Irish service. A large number of them want to become general it, it practitioners. Makes, makes, we have a plan together and University it, it, College it, it, Dublin helped imminent. and developed a master's programme to develop for them. But it, we've, we've had no support for it. Look, that makes imminent sense. Lastly, David, I'll just, I'll just come back to you. The, the situation as we, as we have that we're facing into at the moment you, you mentioned training more places what Mick just said is we, we train them and they work for a year and then they go what would you do about that? Well I think that we have to make it more attractive for those professionals to come and work in the public system and if you listen to what consultants and doctors and nurses are saying it's not about pay obviously there was a two tier pay issue for consultants which had to be addressed that was one of the issues but it's also about the working conditions. It's about access to equipment. Doctors want to treat patients. They want to know that when they go into a hospital, they'll have the tools, they'll have the equipment, they'll have the beds. Very often, it's a battle every day. And that's why I think it's a sore point for healthcare professionals when they hear the Minister for Health say that you, that they should step up to the plate more and do more. When they're burned out because they had COVID, they had the cyber attack, there hasn't been a let up for those on the front line. They're right. going into hospitals every day with one hand tied behind their backs. Look, what politicians need to do 
is to provide those healthcare professionals with the tools to do the job. Right. And if we do that, we have a better chance of attracting more consultants, doctors and nurses. And that's what we need Look, to do. Look, thank you for speaking to us this morning. I do appreciate it. That is David Cullen and their Sinn Féin health spokesperson and Mick Malloy, emergency medical. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk. Consultant.